Hello and welcome to Under the Bridge, where we make no mistakes whatsoever, especially <laughs> not leaving the sink point in. <laughs> we're totally not humans. We we're AI. Wait, does that mean no, we're no, no, no? <laughs> Sorry, we do not need that kind of heat. That's fair. <laughs> I had two different jokes mixed in there at the same time, so <laughs> we're gonna have two different unions after us. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> Anyways, I'm Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And I am Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And, you know what, before we get too deep into things, uh, I just want to add a little... I know it's bearing the lead a little bit, but with both the WGA and sag after on strike, uh, we just want to express, we are with both unions 100%. Mm-hmm. Get what you're worth. Don't let any dumb studio executives push you around. They need you more than you need them, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And we will do our best to express that solidarity however we can. There are some things that might be a trip up, but uh, you know what? Uh, we'll have more on that later. Cross that bridge when we come to it. And anybody listening in the comments or the working knowledge of the industry, please feel free to let us know if we're overstepping on anything. Because oh, yes. genuinely want to know. Yes, because at the end of the day, we are a couple of hobbyists. And we yep. want to make sure that we're still doing doing things respectfully. Two geeks with a mic. That's us. Indeed. Well, two geeks with two mics. Two geeks with two mics. Well, <laughs> two, two geeks, geeks with two microphone with a microphone each. Uh, two geeks deep on the mics. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds. Uh, that sounds like a movie that uh, you'd have to be eighteen plus to rent. I mean, we don't shame in this household. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> Unless your name is Zaslov. Oh, I'll shame him 50 ways from Sunday. <laughs> there is no rock he can hide under where I will not lambaste him from the safety of my recording booth. <laughs> I I was going to start singing Ain't No Valley wide enough and try to mix in making fun of Zaslo, but it's like, no, I don't want us to accidentally get DMCA'd. So. And I know what you're wondering. Would you make fun of him to his face? And the answer is no, because he could probably pay somebody to have me killed. <laughs> yeah... <laughs> Rich people. Rich people. The wealthy. <laughs> Let's get into gaming news. Oh boy. You want to take the need for speed bit since I think that's nearer and dearer to your heart? Yes. So this is kind of an interesting one that popped up out of nowhere. Actress Simone Bailey, who played, and, and I don't expect you to know who this character is, but I just want to really emphasize this. She played a character known only as Sergeant Cross's unnamed partner in Need for Speed Most Wanted put out a tweet saying that allegedly a Need for Speed Most Wanted remake was in the works, assumingly the 2005 Most Wanted, the one that everybody loves, that a remake, not a remaster, is in the works and would be released sometime in 2024. This very much is something that goes into the I believe it when I see it category, but I think it's interesting just because largely due to the fact that not too long after that tweet was put out, it was very promptly deleted. So there's kind of a couple of trains of thought on it. One is, this is actually happening, and for some godforsaken reason, this woman just broke a major NDA to talk about it. <laughs> or this is not happening, and she decides to put this tweet out to generate some clout, I guess? I don't know. Or it could be a genuine mistaken belief that 
there was something in the works, and maybe that's not the case. On the flip side, though, I can't help but think if that was the case, a retraction would have also been published along with the original tweet being deleted. Yeah, which there's been no official word from Electronic Arts one way or another on whether this is happening or not. There's been no official word from Electronic Arts or not, at least at the time of this recording, on the tweet that she put out. But it's definitely an interesting thing. For the longest time... Need for Speed Most Wanted has been considered the best of the entire Need for Speed franchise. I broadly agree with that statement, but there are several aspects that I think don't really age well, but that's not really the discussion for today. I'll level with you. Being not a huge racing game fan, I didn't realize there were voice actors in Need for Speed aside from maybe announcers. Yeah, so here's the <laughs> here's the fun thing about Simone Bailey's particular role. Because Need for Speed Most Wanted was known for having actually, like, comparative to other games, especially other Need for Speed games, it had very little actual cutscenes where the actors are present and all that. She had four lines. In the entirety of the game. Oh! Yes, one of which being a introduction to a reference to Leon the Professional. <laughs> when you say not a lot of cutscenes relative to other racing games, that honestly flabbergasts me a little bit because I'm used to them having uh, none? Well, <laughs> in the case of Need for Speed games, especially Need for Speed's Underground 1 and 2 that came before Most Wanted, and Need for Speed Carbon that came directly after Most Wanted, there are very few cutscenes. A lot of the Need for Speed games have had stories of some kind. None of them are good. Honestly, <laughs> if it wasn't for the fact that racing games are kind of boring by default, for not insane people like me, that is, I would love to have you sit through one and just have us both like make fun of the story. <laughs> um, but I also would feel bad torturing you, putting you through any kind of racing game for like five plus hours. Eh! <laughs> I've done worse things to better people, so... <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> uh, no, this is an interesting one. I don't think... Can't wait for your Christmas present. <laughs> oh, God almighty. This is an interesting one. I personally don't see this happening, largely for a few reasons. One of which being licensing. The thing that's held a lot of, like, racing games back, especially older racing games, from being made or even remastered is licensing, because whenever anything that uses a real IP whether it be like a song, a book, a film, or even a brand of some kind, they have to pay the owners of the IP to use it. In the case of Need for Speed Most Wanted, all of the cars are real cars. All of the customization that you... Well, a lot of the customization you can do are from actual like aftermarket car companies. And also the manufacturers of the cars have to be okay with those parts being used on their cars. There's logos, there's music, there's billboards, there's all other kinds of things that make this endeavor very expensive, and those licenses are usually like on a time limit of some kind, usually like a few years. So what that means is that for this game to be made and for it to be a faithful recreation, Electronic Arts would have to buy back all of the licenses, they would have to put them back into a new game, because the original game is 20 years old. So, any of the source code, uh. yeah, and it was made by a studio that no longer exists. Oh, God. So, any of the original code or anything like that, I imagine is long gone. I would be shocked if they held on to any of that, which means they'd basically be having to build a new game from the ground up, but not with a lot of the original source code or original physics, even, and rebuying all of the original licenses and all, and putting that out sometime in the next year. 
I don't see this happening. This is very much a, I'll believe it when I see it, but my expectations are very low. Ah. But it's an interesting thing. A lot of Need for Speed fans for many years now, very annoyingly so, if I'm being completely honest, have been requesting Need for Speed Most Wanted 2005, because there were two of them, to be re- But it's 2023! Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of Need for Speed fans, especially longtime fans, have been wanting Most Wanted 2005 to be remade or remastered or brought back in some capacity for the longest time. So I feel like it's one of those things where if this does happen, it would be really cool. The only reason I would want this to happen is because I genuinely be very interested to see how the game gets re- received to a modern audience in 2024 versus the original audience in 2005. Because at the time, the game was completely groundbreaking, but so much has moved on from there that I'd be genuinely curious to see what the reactivity would be. Because, Mm. especially since I I played the original game from time to time, I usually do a full playthrough of it at least once a year. There are certain aspects that have not aged well, in terms of, like, quality of life and other aspects. Also, piss filter. What? Have you ever played games that have just, like, the yellow-brown color filter? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is one of those. (laughs) It's like, please don't bring that back. That died in 2008, and it needs to stay dead. (laughs) I'll agree. But yeah, so we'll see what happens there. Neat. I'm curious to see how that turns out. Yeah, so am I, honestly. (laughs) I feel like it's either going to happen and be a shit show, or it's just going to be a shit show. (laughs) Bold move. Either the thing will happen or it won't. Great predictions here on Under the Bridge. (laughs) That's a bold strategy, EA. Let's see how it pans out. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on to the big boys. Oh, boy. Sony's agreed to a 10-year deal for Call of Duty with Microsoft. Which is really the only reason this whole FTC case happened. Yeah, we'll get to that part. (laughs) Yes. Basically, as I understand it, initially, Microsoft originally offered... Sony to keep Call of Duty and any current Activision franchise on Sony through December 31st, 2027. Apparently the deal terms have changed to 10 years, but on just Call of Duty. Which, oh no, I can't believe that means we're only guaranteed 10 more Call of Duty games on PlayStation. (laughs) Stares at the number there already are. I mean, it's one of those things where... The biggest concern has always been that, to my genuine surprise, apparently Call of Duty is PlayStation's, like, biggest moneymaker during, like, every holiday season. That's depressing as fuck, but not entirely unexpected. For real, I, like, read up on it, it's just like, on one hand, I was like, okay, I see why they care so much. On the other hand, I'm like, what the fuck does that say about the state of video games nowadays? (laughs) Speaking as someone who is... Ever so slightly, but broadly, still kind of interested in the series. But yeah, it's like, okay, that makes sense, but holy shit, that's depressing. <laughs> what a time. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly in this deal, it's Call of Duty will continue being on PlayStation for the next decade or so. And with that, there will be total parity between systems, which, big whoop. I feel like that's not necessarily what Microsoft is more concerned about. It's just more so going to be, can we put Call of Duty on Game Pass? And as long as the answer to that for them is yes, then they don't give a fuck. (laughs) Yeah. More big companies make deals with more big companies. Yeah, no. The bit I loved about it is how Phil Spencer, and I do generally, I'm not going to say I'm a fan of Phil Spencer, but I do generally appreciate what he's done for Xbox and all that, but 
I loved where he's like, and this deal will ensure that gamers have more choice than ever before. It's like, what does this change? You could still no, get Call that's of exactly the same amount of chain of of change as there has been. Yeah, it's like you can still get COD on PlayStation or Xbox. This is the absence of op. This is the absence of change in options. Yeah, no, I mean like. Who knows, maybe it's hinting at more of the games or the games coming to Game Pass or anything like that, but even still, it's just like, okay, <laughs> it's just like, that's, even as someone who bangs the drum for Game Pass, it's just like, okay, what, big whoop. <laughs> Spencer just turns around, they don't know I've been making deals to also get it on Nintendo Switch Online. <laughs> Hey, sp hey, Phil, you know what I would really appreciate, especially as a consumer who's in your ecosystem? If you can get Sony and Square Enix to stop being shitheads with Final Fantasy and put 7 and 16 on Xbox, that would make me very happy. <laughs> Insert that meme of Bugs Bunny just going, no. <laughs> it would be Jim Ryan's head over Bugs Bunny at that point. Ah. <laughs> uh. Anyways, as was brought up a little bit earlier, mm -hmm. Microsoft won a ruling with the U.S. federal court against the Federal Trade Commission, and I guess that means they've gotten the go-ahead, at least on the U.S. side, for the Activision Blizzard acquisition, and the U.K.'s Competition and Markets Authority have agreed to pause its legal battle to negotiate further. Yeah, so, more or less, like you said, there's nothing really stopping the deal going through in the U.S. I believe the rumor mill is that the deal could be finalized as soon as tomorrow from the time of this recording. And the CMA has decided, I think initially their deadline for making their final decision was actually going to be tomorrow. And they came out saying we're going to extend the deadline for the next six weeks because we have to further investigate the deal, largely due to the FTC case being won by Microsoft. So You know what? I hope they do it. I hope this turns into a Discovery Acquires Warner Brothers thing where all it does is lead to a giant fucking money sink yeah i'm curious to see what happens of that i have a feeling it's one of going to be one of those things where the cma isn't going to green light everything i have a feeling that activision is going to microsoft rather is going to be losing something in that regard because i think the big reason why the cma has been pushing back on the deal is due to like cloud server based things like cloud mm. gaming and whatnot which i don't get into I, <laughs> I stay the far away from that shit. I try to. I use anything regarding a cloud as minimally as I can just because it's a combination of partially don't trust it and also partially don't trust myself to not screw it up somehow. But I'm curious to see what comes of that. I think it's a pretty open case that the reason why they delayed it was because of the FTC decision. With that as well, apparently like one of the big things that caused Microsoft to win the FTC case was that the FTC representative was trying to talk more from the side of how it would inf impact Sony to the point where the judge presiding over the case actually at one point said, okay, what I care about is how this deal affects the consumers, not how this deal affects Sony. Thank you! Yeah, and I was just like, all right, I think that kind of like covers it all at that point. I don't think there's any recovery from that. Burn. Yeah. Sick burn. Yeah, no, so... Put some ointment on that. <laughs> so... That's interesting. Yeah, at this point, I don't see anything really stopping this deal. If anything, the UK might lose some access to certain, like, Activision IPs and whatnot, but I think at this point, this deal is as good as done. 
terrifying. Mm. Largest gaming merger ever, apparently. I can only hope it blows up in somebody's face. Apparently also at some point during the FTC case when Phil Spencer did actually have to testify for it, I remember reading somewhere, I can't find it again to save my life, I remember seeing reading somewhere, especially since these are private hearings, so they're not like recorded or put on the news or anything like that, that Phil Spencer at one point actually had to explain how a merger worked. Oh dear. To the FTC representative. And it's just like, oh... Oh, boy. <laughs> Great. Tax dollars at work. <laughs> huh. Fuck Activision Blizzard is the point I'm making. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. There, it's one of those things where it's like, in terms of the deal overall, I'm relatively neutral because it's one of those things where there's not really a good guy in any of this. <laughs> nah. Let's go to comic news. Oh, boy. So you know how they just killed Kamala Khan? <laughs> oh, no. I don't well, like she's her. She's coming back. Oh, for fuck's sake. Why? She's already back. Is she? She's going to be coming back, I think, at the Hellfire Gala, which is later this month. I can't believe I'm getting mad about this as someone who doesn't read the comics, but I just have to say, what is the fucking point? The point was they were probably going to drag it out for longer, and then they then it leaked early, and everybody hated it. So they were like, uh, steer the ship. Well, then what's the point of even killing her in the first place? Well, they had the issue written, and they probably didn't want to delay it. What are these? What is? Oh, also, it's so they can bring her back as a mutant. Now confirmed, she... because she's coming back in August with a four-issue limited series called Miss Marvel: The New Mutant. I thought she already was a mutant. No, she's an Inhuman. <laughs> I really hope my microphone picked that up. <laughs> that did. That was great. <laughs> Again, this is why I don't read or follow comics. <laughs> anyway, there, there, look, there's a little bit of a silver lining in this. Okay. <laughs> and this is that it's being co-written by Sabir Perzana, whose work I'm not super familiar with, but the other co-writer is Iman Vellani, the actress who plays Miss Marvel in the MCU. Huh. And she's a huge fan. So, I'm confident that whatever happens, hopefully... Especially because it's a four-issue limited series. So what I'm envisioning is, she probably came on with a specific vision, and if it was something that she felt wasn't going to be in service of the character, she wouldn't have signed on for it. So, I'm going to trust her judgment. I, I like her gumption. I like her chutzpah. I like the <laughs> fact that the moxie. I like the... I like the fact that she's willing to argue with Kevin Feige over the universe designation of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I like it a lot. I hope she tells the, the editorial team to go fuck itself. <laughs> I don't know if she'd go that far. She seems decently polite. That's fair. <laughs> but, no, I like her attitude about superhero stuff a lot. So, this is actually decently reassuring. Mm. She also said, I want to make it very, very clear that we're not retconning her inhuman origin. That's a part of Kamala's identity that Marvel Editorial and myself would very much like to keep and protect. Is it calling her a mutant doing that, though? <laughs> No, I guess the idea is she is, is she's still an inhuman, but she's got an X-gene? Uh... It can happen. Namor is a mutant Atlantean. Okay, fair. It's, there's precedent. Fair. I'm pretty sure they might have also specified that the Terrigen Mist kills mutants, but... Hmm. She, they, might, they might get away with it by saying her X-gene wasn't active yet or something? I don't know. Okay. She also said, this is way scarier than joining the MCU for me. Those projects feel like they live in their own dimension, so I guess I can separate myself easier. But you can hold a comic book. I've never written anything before in my entire life, but I have read many comics, so I just wrote what I would want to read. I was given a very professional tool to write what is essentially my own fanfiction. 
So I, I agree with her because she's going to have to face something worse than like movie nerds, and that's comic book nerds. Oh, I I pray for her. <laughs> I don't pray for anything, but I pray for her. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, like it's dear. bad enough having to deal with movie nerds like us. <laughs> to be fair, I think the Miss Marvel nerds are pretty decently cool. That's fair. Because the worst of the comic nerds already hate Miss Marvel anyway. You know what? That's fair. <laughs> For obvious reasons. Mm. Obvious stupid reasons. <laughs> obvious stupid racist reasons. <laughs> obvious like, stupid racist sexist reasons. I was to say, how many layers are we going to cut into this hatred onion? <laughs> that's, like, that seems chink, like a good stopping point. Chink, chink, okay. <laughs> We've hit bedrock. <laughs> And I don't want to imply that everybody who hates Miss Marvel is a racist or a sexist, because you could just be the character doesn't click with you, and that's 100% fine. Yes. But the the truly toxic ones... Are racist and sexist. <laughs> yeah. But of course, the scales must always be balanced, the bill comes due, while one hero rises, another falls, because just today, I think it was today, hmm. yes, just today, Marvel announced the last days of Moon Knight. Why? No idea. <laughs> it's that whole cosmic balance thing I was talking about. So, they made one smart-ish sounding decision, gotta balance it out. Okay, because I was gonna say, is this one of those things where it's like, shit, the, the last time we tried to kill somebody off, it didn't, wasn't real received. Hey guys, we have all this goodwill now. Kill somebody in the background while they're not watching! <laughs> <laughs> Get the guillotine! <laughs> now... Um, I, I'm interested to see where this goes, because this is part of the Jed McKay and Alessandra Capuccio Moon Knight run, which mm -hmm. has been astounding. Okay. I'm not fully caught up with it, because I've been reading it as it comes out in trade paperbacks, because that's the only way I really pay attention to most comics nowadays. Mm. Floppies suck, alright? Single issues suck. Right. I hate everything about them. <laughs> and I will not apologize for that. Mm. Terrible way to do business. But, yeah, no, I have no idea what they're doing with this Moon Knight thing, especially because... A thing that's really been brought up and hammered in in the last couple... I guess technically last couple Moon Knight runs is he can't really die. <laughs> I remember you mentioning that, like, outside of the podcast. So it's like, okay, so how do they kill him then? I mean, he could die, he'll just come back. Hmm. So, kind of weird to advertise, yep, he's dying this time. <laughs> I don't think I'd buy it. What is even the point? <laughs> Ordinarily, I wouldn't even bother talking about it, but with the whole Miss Marvel's already back thing, I thought it was a really funny contrast. <laughs> it's like, ah, yes, they're they're undoing the stupid decision they made to kill a character. Oh, wait. And that's why I said it's like everyone's distracted by the goodwill. They're getting out the superpower guillotine. They're going to lace it with, like, Krypton or something. They're going to find out that somebody there is actually allergic to Krypton. They are just going to kill off so many until they figure well, out who it is. <laughs> I, I figured I figured if they were going to use it as a smokescreen to get away with something, it would be, all right, we're bringing back Miss Marvel quick while everybody's celebrating about that. Let's make it so Peter and Mary Jane never even met. Uh, it's like... See how they get together this time! No, that's the thing, too. It's like they're doing that because in the background, the the... Spider-Man, like, writer-slash-editorial team is just like, okay, while they're distracted, we also need to brainstorm more ways how to make Peter Parker miserable. Uh, what you do know you they are. <laughs> Especially because he can't get sad about Kamala dying for him anymore. Mm. <laughs> Which, why? He barely knew her! I'm not, I'm 
I'm not saying that means he can't feel guilty, but why would you make it all focused on him? Why not Miles, the Spider-Man who actually knew and worked with her and might have been crushing on her? I don't know. Miles has a lot of crushes on a lot of people. I think it's a depending on the writer thing. Uh, I mean, Miles is still like a teenager canonically, right? Yes, I think he's 18. Oh, okay. Um, it's fair, I guess. But I mean, to be fair, he is continuing the long-standing Spider-Man tradition of having way more love interests than the average person. <laughs> Even if I think it might be a little more one-sided on his part generally than Peter. Hmm. Hard to tell. Miles Morales does not have a Gwen Stacy or Mary Jane, does he? Mm, no. In the Ultimate Universe, I know he was dating Kate Bishop for a while, but then it turned out she was Hydra. Ah, Big sad. I haven't been keeping up much with his post-Secret Wars stuff. I'll admit, Miles is not a Spider-Man I particularly click with. Oh, that's fair. Not a bad character, just... I'm still holding out hope that they might turn Peter Parker around. But, you know, maybe I really ought to start reading more Miles, since that's clearly never gonna happen. Hmm. Ugh. <laughs> Anyways. Let's go to DC. Alrighty. I was gonna just, you know, I, I've been taking a few weeks off poorly explained comics. I was like, yeah, you know what? Nothing's gonna come up in Secret Invasion. And then a new Blue Beetle trailer drops, including a new confirmed villain, and I was like, should I maybe? And then Superman Legacy busts out some big fucking news, which is that... We're getting quite a few other superheroes in this movie. Okay. Isabella Merced will play Hawkgirl. Mm. Eddie Gaffigy will be playing Mr. Terrific. Nathan Fillion will be playing Guy Gardner. And Anthony Kerrigan will be playing Metamorpho. Okay. Which, okay! Okay! You already got me, James! You already got me, Mr. Gunn! <laughs> I'm already going to see this movie. I'm already excited. You can stop any minute now. Mm. Okay? Which one is Nathan Fillion's character again? I'm sorry. Guy Gardner, one of the Green Lanterns. Oh. Oh, so we're finally actually getting fucking Green Lantern then. <laughs> I mean, they already confirmed we were getting the Lanterns TV show with uh, Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart. Mm, okay. But Guy Gardner is neither of them. No, Guy Gardner's the redhead with the bowl cut. He's the asshole who nobody likes. Oh, nice. <laughs> Batman once knocked him out with one punch. <laughs> How? Just punched him in the face. Okay. He wasn't expecting it. Went down. Hmm. All right. Everybody laughed. It was back during Justice League International. Everybody hated him. <laughs> Fair. Except Ice. But that's because they were dating. <laughs> and then they weren't. She's pretty much the only one who can tolerate him, I think. And then she hated him. <laughs> yeah. They broke up. And it's like, you know, now that I think about it, you're actually, like, a massive asshole. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a dick. I mean, he's not hes not a villain, but he is a dick. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, it's interesting to note, Nathan Fillion is in, I think, his 50s at this point? Yeah, he's 52. Yeah, so, I assume that means Guy Gardner might not be around all that much longer. Mm. But, hey, you know what? As long as we got some Green Lanterns going around, doesn't doesn't really matter. Right. Now, some people, as you might expect, the usual crowd are freaking out going, Oh, when Batman v Superman introduces all these... Eh, shut up. I don't care. Execution matters more than intent. Like, yes, well, on the one... Execution in context. Execution in context matters more than intent. Mm -hmm. And you know what? As long as Superman Legacy doesn't stop the movie dead in what's supposed to be a climactic, if still stupid, scene <laughs> to show us actual fucking sizzle reels for a bunch of movies... 
one of which never got made, and one of which ended up being a radically different movie by the time it actually came out in 2023. <laughs> I don't want to fucking hear it! Right. I'm very excited for this, especially Mr. Terrific and Metamorpho, because those are two people I was not expecting at all. Alright. Oh, right, for some other things, just to give an idea of some other roles that they played. Isabella Merced was Dora in Dora and the Lost City of Gold. I forgot about that. I completely forgot that movie existed. <laughs> you forgot about Machete as Boots, huh? <laughs> I think that was the only reason I wanted to see it, was to see How dare your you? Machete play, play Boots. Eddie Gaffigy, the thing I most know him from is he was Darwin in X-Men First Class. Okay. Which is especially funny. God, I don't hate First Class. I like First Class as a movie. But First Class was the ultimate nail in the coffin for me as mutants as a metaphor for oppressed people or people in the minority. Because... I can't help but notice that in X-Men First Class, a movie that a lot of... Again, the X-Men are generally used as a stand-in for for outsiders, for people who feel like they don't belong or like they're ostracized or oppressed or what have you. Yeah. And I can't help but notice that in this one particular movie about that, the black guy whose power is to evolve to not die, dies. Oh, remember, Cody... They can't kill us all first. <laughs> yep, but he dies despite his power being literally to not, not die. <laughs> and the, I want to say Hispanic actress, turns evil. So that by the end of the movie, everybody on the good guy team is white or blue, but identifying <laughs> as white. Really fucking unfortunate. It's one of those things where it's like, there's colored people and then there's... <laughs> <laughs> I can make that joke. I'm allowed to make that joke. Probably gonna get cut anyway. <laughs> no, I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it. <laughs> and Anthony Kerrigan was Victor Zaz in Gotham. Mm. I don't think I got far enough into Gotham to see that. I don't remember if I did, because I think I got into season three, but I don't fucking remember. Yeah, I know. Anyways, James Gunn has also made sure to emphasize that this will still be a Superman movie. He is including more superheroes besides Superman because he wants to focus on both sides of the man and the idea is that, you know, Superman has his Clark friends and he has his Superman friends. Hmm. But he has said that the protagonists will still be Superman and Lois, which is very encouraging. Okay. I feel like depending on the movie, Lois does not get a lot, actually in most of them, Lois does not get a lot to do. <laughs> other than blither around and be a love interest for Clark. Right. So I'm all for her having more stuff to do. And now... We got the first and least awful of comments from Disney CEO Bob Iger that we will cover this week. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Which is, he has confirmed there are plans to pull back on MCU and Star Wars content moving forward. So what does that mean exactly? No idea. He okay. said, you pull back not just to focus, but also as part of our cost containment initiative, spending less on what we make and making less. So I guess the idea is, we're not dumping as much stuff on streaming. Mm. Which, yeah, probably smart. Unfortunately, that also probably means less special presentations, which is really fucking annoying, because I'd honestly rather have more special presentations than more six-issue episode series. I'm four into Secret Invasion, and I don't think it's bad, but I think it's politics and main conflict are really fucking messy. I don't think there's any real way to get a satisfying conclusion out of it. I think this is kind of a waste of Nick Fury, kind of a waste of some other characters. And I'm just, I, 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 I just don't, I don't see how they can fix it. And this was one that I was really looking forward to. So mm -hmm. at this point, it's like, man, I don't know, just, just stop. 
you can't, you don't have it in you to, to plot these out. You either gotta make them, like, 8 to 10 episodes, which you're not gonna do because that's even more money, or pull them back. So, fine, pull them back. Yeah. That's the smartest thing he has said that I plan to cover this week. <laughs> that's, I, I'd say that's the opposite of encouraging, then. Oh, it's, oh, man. Wait until, you know what? You don't have to wait. It's time for our famous segment. Do-do-do-do-do-do. Pay your fucking writers! And now actors. So, before, where do I even start? sag After is now on strike, so actors are on strike now. Which means a lot of productions are officially shutting down, including Deadpool 3 has halted production. Okay, yeah, as I say, so with SAG after going like going on strike, it's like movie making and show making as a whole has pretty much been put on hold in this country right now. There are exceptions, but we'll get into that. Hmm. So but before that happened, before SAG after went on strike. Oh man, I can't believe I get to say this. Hmm. While talking to Deadline, uh executives said, or at least inferred heavily, that the plan is to keep the strike going and not they're not particularly interested in sitting down to renegotiate until at least October. Here's hmm. a direct quote from an executive who remained anonymous, but it really doesn't matter who they are. <clears throat> okay. The end game is to allow things to drag on until union members start losing their apartments and losing their houses. That's right, I remember seeing that. To which, all I can say is, fuck you! Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you very much. That is the most deprived shit. Because it's basically depraved. saying it's depraved, thank you. But I also feel like depri- de- you know what? You yeah. are right. It's yeah, also I say, deprived, like deprived also of housing. <laughs> because it's the thing of like, yeah, it's like, oh our what's our plan? Our plan is to basically make it where people are homeless. What a sick, twisted, cruel thing to do. And yeah. I can't believe you would actually say that to a trade outlet. Like, what, you, uh, I almost, almost respect the balls, because it's like, oh, <laughs> you said the evil part out loud. Yeah. You're not supposed like, to do that. You're just yeah, supposed no. to infer it. Mm, and it's, God almighty. I know I've made jokes about it, about these executives being flexible while just burying their head under the sand, but it's like, when I saw that, I was just like, oh, this is... This is one of those things where it's like, it's not just greed or whatever else that's going on. Now we're in the concept of pride. Like, their head is just so far up their ass because it's the only reason, like, a statement like that would make any sense to make out loud. Utterly fucking ballistic. It's insane. Shows how little they respect the people in the industry. Right? And I mean, okay, with 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 the Screen Actors Guild now going on strike, I'm sure a lot of people are going. Well, I mean, look at what Robert Downey Jr. make, and look at what Scarlett Johansson make. And I understand that it can be a little confusing to look at it from that perspective and go, "Why do the actors need more money?" But the thing is, it's not really about them. They're fine. They never yeah. have to work a day again in their lives. It's about it's about the smaller ones. Yeah. No. Exactly. It's about the actors who don't have that level of fame, who are part of the union, who are living job to job because the amounts they get paid aren't enough to cover the costs of where they live to do their job. Yeah, this kind of gets brought up in the discussion of people making their way into the music industry. I've seen it, I remember seeing this a lot when, in discussion of hip-hop several years ago, about how 
why do these other like artists or whatever care about what happens in the industry? They have loads of money. They they don't have to work a single day in life. The thing is, is that they still, to a certain degree, they still represent the smaller people who are going through the struggle that they did. The people that we know of, that we hear a lot about, that we talk a lot about on this podcast, they are quite literally the lucky ones. Yeah. Most of the smaller ones that are like putting in work and hustling day by day, even a lot of the ones that have had long-standing careers in this art form, still have some kind of regular job. It's a thing of, like, they have to have the regular job because they can't survive on just acting. So... And there's been a lot them. of pushback from writers and from actors of, what, you think we don't already know that we're gonna need multiple jobs? We've been doing that. Who yeah. cares? Which, more power to you. Yeah, exactly. God, I, I cannot believe someone had the audacity to come out and say that and think that... What did you think?! What? <laughs> How is that supposed to help you? It was probably, I feel like it was an intimidation tactic. Like, I very much believe that it's one of those things where it was someone trying to really lay down. I was like, oh, you want to play the game? Well, we're going to let you know what level we're going to go to. And it's like, yeah, but you've just further, if anything, justified what we're doing. <laughs> oh, man. It's like, what is the effect called? Where it's like trying to say one thing to like either like, cover something up or something like that actually makes the end result worse. There's a that name is for that the effect. Streisand effect, I believe. Yeah, it's like it just Streisand affected themselves to fuck. <laughs> My god. So, the actors are now on strike as well. Like I said, that means a lot of productions have shut down. However, mm-hmm. SAG-AFTRA is going to be signing soon some interim agreements with truly independent producers, allowing them to start or continue production during the strike under the conditions that They're not affiliated with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. Those are the ones representing the studios. Mm. And that they agree to be bound retroactively to whatever contract terms eventually are achieved when the strike is settled. Okay. So, not everything's shut down, but all the big stuff. I don't know if you're going to jump into it or not, or if you had planned to, but did you also see, like, the bit about how they were planning on more or less buying, like, the AI rights to background people or whatever? No! What? Yeah, so apparently one of the other things, and the the thing that, as I understand it, really got SAG after to, str- to go on strike, is that one of the points that was brought up, because I guess there was some kind of meeting or whatever between the studios and SAG AFTRA, was that one of the things that the studios wanted to do was have it be where they would like, let's say you're an extra on the on like the, the a background extra on a movie. The right. idea was to have you show up, do your part pay you for the day but in part of that contract also have a thing where it's like all right we've paid for that so that means that we can just use your likeness and we can basically copy paste you on an extra somewhere else in some other movie yeah fuck that yeah that was from what i understand like part of me is going is like i hope that's the thing that if anything just made sag after just go like you know what Fuck this. These people have lost their goddamn minds. <laughs> That's insanity. Why would anyone agree to that? Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing that. I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> these these studio execs are actually insane. <laughs> yeah, speaking of, you remember how I said I'd have some unflattering things from Bob Iger? Oh, boy. Let's get into that now. How racist is it? It's not racist. This isn't, okay. Z- this isn't Zaslav, don't worry. 
Okay. Boy, sure am glad he, he canceled Batgirl because that would have been damaging to the DC brand. Uh-huh. I will never stop making fun of that! <laughs> Man, you spiked your mic hard there. <laughs> if I live to be a thousand years, I will still be taking the piss out of him for that. If someone does the reanimating curse on you from freaking Dungeons and Dragons, like, what do you have to say? Boy, I hope they <coughs> sure aren't worried about bad girls damaging the brand. It's like, sir, that happened like 120 years ago. Who gives a fuck dies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So here's what he said. About the strike on Thursday mm -hmm. morning on CNBC. Okay. It's very disturbing to me. We've <laughs> talked about disruptive forces on this business and all the challenges we're facing. The recovery from COVID, which is ongoing, it's not completely back. This is the worst time in the world to add to that disruption. I understand any labor organization's desire to work on behalf of its members to get the most compensation and be compensated fairly based on the value that they deliver. We managed, as an industry, to negotiate a very good deal with the Director's Guild that reflects the value that the directors contribute to this great business. We want to do the same thing with the writers, and we'd like to do the same thing with the actors. There's a level of expectation that they have that is just not realistic, and they are adding to the set of challenges that this business is already facing that is, quite frankly, very disruptive. Shut the fuck up, Bob! There's so many lies there. <laughs> There's so much lying in that. <laughs> The whole thing, like, we value, like, what they bring to the table. It's like, well, evidently you don't, because otherwise this wouldn't be happening. Also, uh, he, he earned, oh, sorry, has the potential to earn up to $27 million in 2023, which is his first full year as return CEO of Disney. He just extended his contract through 2026, and I believe there's a potential for his bonus to be up to, like, a five times multiplier or something. Oof. Yeah, so, uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. And also, because I just can't resist, you know how much David Zaslav made in the last five years? Hmm. $498 million. Really? Yeah! That That's a lot higher of a number than I thought it was going to be. But we can't doing... pay the writers! Nope, no money nope. for that! Mm. I'm too busy cutting content for tax write-offs! <laughs> it's just like, I'm too busy wiping my tears away with my stacks of money. <laughs> and you ain't out of the woods yet, Iger! You're doing it too! I'm sorry to get so wound up about this, but Jesus Christ, the sheer amount of fucking callous indifference from... Just... Fuck! Mm. This is breaking me a little bit on the inside. Mm, no, yeah, it's just bad to see. It's just bad humanity. Huh. Or lack of humanity, rather. You know the last time that the last time the WGA and SAG-AFTRA were on strike, Ronald Reagan was the president of SAG-AFTRA? Not the United <laughs> States! He was the president of the Actors Union. So what? That would have been, what, like the 70s then, right? I want to say the 80s. Okay, well, because he was president in 19... from 80 to 88, I believe. So... I'm checking. I'm looking this up real quick. I'm bad with dates. Yeah, so am I. That's kind of unfortunate when you're the history buff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ronald Reagan's tenure as president is something that I do need to study more, even though I'm pretty sure it would do nothing but piss me off for months on end. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, yes. Yeah, so, well, he ran as president. He, he oh, was wait. Pre Last time Hollywood was forced to exist at a standstill was during the 1960 dual SAG and WGA strike. That was in the 60s. Yes. Because, yeah, because he was installed as president in 1959. Jesus Christ! Yeah. <laughs> you know who's president now of the of, of SAG-AFTRA? Hmm. 
Fran Drescher. Really? Yeah, she came under a little bit of fire because right before the contract was set to expire, she was on vacay in Italy and hanging out with Kim Kardashian. But, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you know what? If the executives are saying shit like this, I am blame her for walking away from the table. Fuck it! Yeah, no, that's completely fair. If you can't get them to agree to don't fucking AI our likeness after one appearance, <laughs> fuck them! Let them fucking go! Mm. With that in mind... There are some things that I want to clarify and establish, which is that currently there is no call to boycott either movies in theaters or on streaming services, which makes sense because since they're arguing for better residual pay, you don't want to you don't want the studios to turn around and be like, okay, yeah, we'll do that, but uh, you're still not getting anything because nobody was watching these shows. Tough break. Mm. There's also been, and this one I'm less certain on, some talk about doing promos for stuff. And as I understand it, the rules primarily only apply to paid influencers, which I don't think we... I don't even think we qualify as regular influencers. No, I don't think we qualify because as Because, really, who the fuck listens to us? But... <laughs> I do just... I do still want to express my support, but also I still plan on talking about trailers and about movies on here because... And this is where... I really want to know if anybody in the industry is paying attention to this, anybody with any working knowledge, mm -hmm. please correct me if I have any incorrect assumptions. Right. Because I can't see the difference between going to see Barbie and expressing the sentiment, I'm really excited for the new Blue Beetle movie because I like this character, I like the actors, I like the direction they seem to be going in, I'm interested who else might show up, and I'm curious on the direction this might have on the DCU, but mostly, I just want to see this movie do well. Mm -hmm. I do not see where one is okay, but the other isn't. Now, I understand if it's a production that's still ongoing during the strike using scab actors or something like that. Mm -hmm. But for things that have already wrapped up production or things that are abiding by the strike guidelines, I don't understand where the issue is. So that yeah. being the case, I still plan to have trailer time, and not this week, purely by coincidence, but I do still plan to do reviews on the new stuff that's coming out. Now... If things change, if there's a little more... Because part of the problem is I'm getting inconsistent things. I'm seeing different information from different places. Hmm. So I'm not 100% sure. I'm 100% sure on the there's no boycott thing, but it's everything else I don't 100% have a grasp on, which is why if there's an update or if that changes and they say, hey, don't go see things in theaters, you got it. I 100% have a pivot strategy ready to go. Yeah. But I just, I need that clarity or I need somebody to break it down for me. Because I'm dumb, and I don't see it. I don't see where that's beneficial to not talk about upcoming stuff. Yeah. I'm in agreement with you. It's like, as long as everything that's being covered or things are being made is, like, at very minimum, like, a going by the guidelines set up by the strikes. And it's like, I personally think it's not a big deal. If anything, I want to support those who are affected by the strike, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, I kind of want to keep going with that. I think the thing that has me most curious about this is, depending on how long this goes, because let's say, in an unfortunate circumstance, all this striking does go on beyond October, basically, how many movies and shows and whatnot are there until they actually run out? Yeah, that is a curious thing. I guess we'll yeah. find out if this goes on long enough, which I really hope it doesn't. Not because I genuinely give a fuck about... Like, I give a fuck more about making sure that writers are getting paid and can go back to actually making a living doing the thing that they want to do. Same with the actors. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's the primary reason I want to see this whole thing pan out. 
Yeah. But also, I'm curious to see, like, if it did drag out, when do we start hitting bottom of the barrel? <laughs> when do we start getting the $10 million sequel to Birdemic? <laughs> so, in the spirit of trying to be as supportive as we possibly can within our understanding of the situation, let's go to trailer time. Mm-hmm. It's trailer time again! We've got movie previews to watch! It's trailer time again! Alright, so we got a final trailer for Blue Beetle, apparently, which, <laughs> which is, is baffling to me, because this is trailer two. Yeah, and the movie comes out, the movie's got, like, what, at least another month before it's in theaters, right? Yeah, I think, like, five weeks or something. Okay, yeah, that's... marketing? What's that? <laughs> They were too busy. They were too busy promoting the heck out of the Flash. <laughs> mm. Oh God, that might actually be the case. Uh, and <laughs> now Barbies. Be... They could probably only afford to market one movie at a time. If I'm honest. Uh, Jesus, that would be unfortunate. That'd be deserved. Mm. <laughs> so we got the new Blue Beetle trailer. I like it. I like it too. It looks like fun. Yeah, it doesn't look like anything particularly groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I do like a good origin story, and this seems like a good origin story. I like the effects of the beetle suit. I like how it manifests with that weird, like, burning itself onto him visual look. Yeah, which is also equal parts very uncomfortable. <laughs> oh yeah, that looks painful. Mm -hmm. And I'm also interested in seeing exactly how this ties in, because Zolo Maradueña, the actor playing Jaime, said, I think he said there's more to look for than just Ted Cord. Like, okay. if you're if you're a fan of DC characters, you will recognize there's some people to look out for. Which, cool. Can't wait. Okay. I really like the part at the end where, where Nana's got the giant gun. Or where she has the minigun. Yeah! <laughs> it's like, you were advised to stand back. It's like, what? <laughs> if nothing else, I want to see that one. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me because Jaime seems to have a much bigger family here than he does in the comics, or at least the comics that I've read. Right. In the comics that I've read, it's it's pretty much his, his him, his parents, and his little sister. Hmm. And his little sister is much younger than what I presume is his little sister here in this movie. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be like a major age difference between the two in the movie. Nah. But, still, this ought to be good. I cannot wait. I really, really want to see this character succeed. I'm excited mm. for more Blue Beetle. Indeed. He, he's like Iron Man and Spider-Man and Ben 10, kind of all rolled into one. <laughs> What's not to like? Right. Unlike the trailer for Wonka, in which I struggle <laughs> to find anything to like. I'm surprised you didn't actually end up enjoying this, honestly. Hate everything about it. I Timothy like... Chalamet is not a bad actor, but boy, howdy, does this feel like a miscast. Mm, I don't say this before, but this one genuinely feels like it's like, who greenlit this? Right? Why is this being made? Why do we need a Wonka prequel? <laughs> this is coming, this is actually like coming out of nowhere. <laughs> like, you, you all know Charlie was the protagonist, right? Mm. It wasn't Wonka? <laughs> Wonka's not the head of things? Yeah. I know it's hard to swallow because Gene Wilder did a, frankly, untoppable job performing that character. Mm hmm But, specifically because it's untoppable, you shouldn't be fucking trying. It's just so toothless feeling, you know? Well, that's what happens when you eat too much chocolate. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> I don't have cancer. But anyways. <laughs> uh, if you know, you know. 
Yes. And if you don't know, I don't feel like getting into it. But That's fair. Honestly, I kind of figured, if nothing else, if you hated all the trailer, the Oompa Loompa bit at the end would have probably like gotten at least a laugh out of you. <laughs> like, maybe one. Hmm. And not even one, not even a laugh, just a smirk. She's <laughs> like, I can't, I started dancing. Once I started, I cannot stop. Yeah, because, okay, Hugh Grant, I like Hugh Grant a lot, but what, what is he reminding Wonka of? Did Wonka already encounter the Oompa Loompas and just forgot about it or something? How? Yeah. How would you forget that? <sighs> Anyways, no, this feels entirely too whimsical and lighthearted and feel-good. It doesn't feel like it has that kind of sardonic edge Yeah. that the original had, and it also doesn't feel like it has that unsettling sort of Tim Burton feel that the remake one had so which walk is this supposed to be a new one i think but then it's, uh, i don't I want a new one yeah that's kind god of the damn it what's the point of making a prequel if it's unconnected to the other two yeah that's kind of the unfortunate bit of this it's like okay i don't know it's like one of those things where it's like someone's like we want to have a wonko prequel but it it has to be like our own take on willy wonka it's like no because you're no matter what it's going to be compared to the originals, or, well, the original and the Johnny Depp one. Right? And I can't believe I ever thought I'd say, compared unfavorably, I might add, to the Johnny <laughs> Depp one. Yeah, no. Not great. That one was not great. That was not a good movie. Yeah, it's just weird. Yeah, no, I, ju I just don't understand who this is for. I don't understand who greenlit it. Timothy Chalamet, like I said, not a bad actor. He's quite good. But, goddammit, does he not feel right for this? He feels like... He feels like a kid show host doing a Willy Wonka impression. Yeah, you know what? That's kind of the thing that I got, where it's like, is this supposed to be more of a kid's movie than anything else? And then it started the whole, the chocolate cartel. It's just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so, quiet up and listen down. No, wait, reverse it. Yeah. That's the most PBS Blue's Clues sounding <laughs> thing, and not in the good way. It did sound like something from Blue's Clues. Huh. <sighs> There was one thing in the trailer that got a laugh for me, and it was the worst way. It was the, <laughs> how do you want, how, how do you, how do you like it? Dark, white, nutty, absolutely insane. And it's I just, just started like, laughing like a, like an eighth grader. Caliente. <laughs> More caliente, <laughs> eh? Uh, no, this seems absolutely wretched. <laughs> this does not seem good. I'm not looking forward to watching this, and I'm sure I will. Because mm. <laughs> that's how it goes. That's how it goes. Let the record stand. There is a greater chance we will see a movie if it has a 20% critic score. <laughs> I feel like not or so much anymore, score. but... Hmm. The disconnect does intrigue me, I'll admit, when it happens. Yeah, no. <laughs> and then we also got, just today, a trailer for the creator. Which is mostly identical to the original. Yeah. There's not really anything super new being shown here. In fact, actually, like, half the trailer uses, like, footage and quotes from the first trailer. I am starting to wonder, though, I feel like there's more going on here, and I'm starting to wonder if maybe the big twist is that the robots didn't actually launch that nuclear attack. It was a false flag thing done by the human governments because the robots were advancing and actually wanted to be treated like people, and they were like, well, we can't have that, we're too busy exploiting the people who are already here. I could see that happening, and I would hate that. Because it's kind of like, it's one of those things where like, it's too easy. <laughs> yeah, it's probably just because it's so easy that I think that's going to be the case. It probably is. I will say this, though, aesthetically, and I mean this in a very complimentary sense, because Rogue One was my favorite Star Wars movie, 
or one of them at least. Mm-hmm. This feels like it was made by the director of Rogue One, aesthetically. Yeah, 100%. Just in terms of design, in terms of how things are shot, like, this was very... Yeah, you could actually probably slot this into a Star Wars thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. Maybe not lore-wise, but, but aesthetically. You could very much argue, if there was nothing else, if there was no title, I could see someone being like, this is in the, the at least the universe of Star Wars, isn't it? Yeah, the creator of Star Wars story or something. Yeah. I do like the part of, what do you, can I, what do you want, sweetie? For robots to be free. Oh, <laughs> uh, we don't have that in the fridge. How about ice cream? Yeah. It's like, okay, that's kind of cute. Yeah. Other than that, I, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Like, I, I'm intrigued by this one. I don't know if I think this one's going to be good, but I find it interesting. Yeah. I mean, granted, I'm I'm interested usually in anything involving David Washington, so... Fair. And now, let's close up for the week with this weekend's box office, since we don't have a movie review, because, stupid me, apparently Theater Camp is coming out later than I initially thought. Mm. So it was either Mission Impossible, or as far as I know, nothing else, and... I'll level with you. I haven't had a chance to watch the Mission Impossibles because I'm still stuck on trying to rewatch two. Yeah. <laughs> I have tried three separate times. I can't get into it. The movie is dumb. Fair. The movie is really fucking stupid and kind of gross in a sexist, misogynistic way. No, not misogynistic. Misand- no, misandric is the one that hates men. No, misogynistic is correct. <laughs> I got my terms mixed up. Pardon me. Mm. So anyways, box office. Box office. We did not see the highest grossing movie this weekend. Because, because we didn't see anything. Because movie. <laughs> it was Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Across the three-day weekend, which is an important distinction because it opened on Wednesday, took mm. in $56.2 million domestically for an $80 million domestic total. It's sitting at about $235 million worldwide. Okay. Budget of $291 million, though. That's an oddly specific number. Yeah, I know, right? So, with Barbie and Oppenheimer on the way, and then also Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in a couple of weeks, I think, or a few mm. weeks, we'll see how this goes. It's going to need to keep some real momentum going, but it is seeming very popular internationally, which is good for yeah. it. Mm. Second place, and I'm going to have some things to say about this one, it's Sound of Freedom. Oh, okay. Yeah, $27 million domestic weekend, somehow, for an <laughs> $85.4 million domestic total, no worldwide release info. Now, the reason why I feel like talking about this is you know how there are conspiracy nuts on YouTube who will say things like, Captain Marvel didn't actually make a billion dollars, Disney bought up all the tickets to make it mm. seem like a big success? You think that's what's going on here? I'm almost certain that's what's going on, partly because Angel Studios made or are using an app for this called the Pay It Forward app, which allows people to buy and then donate tickets to those who can't afford the price of admission. Hmm. And they also have a program set up that allows people to buy in bulk and then, I guess, get reimbursed for a portion of it at no cost. What? That's... different? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a tactic to make sure that the movie seems like it's doing better than it actually is. So what was the what was the percentage drop, at least? Like, was it the usual, like, 50, 60, 70% drop, or...? I think it might have... This is part of what's throwing me off here. Let me double-check something real quick. Mm-hmm. Because if I looked at it right, yeah, it's up. Ha! <laughs> it up. Okay, yeah, I'm with you then. I am 100% with you. 38.6% like, no. from last weekend. That's the other thing that clued me into this isn't real. Because this shit doesn't really happen. 
Oh, like it's only been like a thirty six percent loss. No, it's gone up thirty eight point six percent from last. Oh no, weekend. someone's buying the tickets a hundred percent because like even like major big budget movies don't do that. No, and this is also a common tactic, especially with faith based movies, which this one I think partially is. Mm. Like you know, churches will go and buy out theaters for screenings for a congregation or something. And I mean, on the one hand. Other movies will do something similar to this, too, on occasion. Like, for example, the fact that there were instances of Black Panther, you know, organizing screenings for kids of the relevant cultural background to be able to go see it. And Mm -hmm. that sparked a whole thing of, well, why not raise the same kind of money to let them go to a museum or something slightly more culturally relevant, which is a fair discussion to be worth having. Point is, though, uh, Black Panther really didn't need the help. (laughs) Yeah. If you took that away from Black Panther, you'd probably maybe take away, like, I don't know... I, you know, I'm not going to pretend I understand how much map, but the point is that movie made a billion dollars on its own, whereas it seems like a lot of where this is coming from is from all of that block buying. Yeah. Because again, an increase on the second weekend. Not happening. That shit does not really happen. No. Like, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you 100%. Especially at nearly, as near as makes no difference, a 40% increase from the first week. Like, not happening. Especially not for something in the top five. Mm. Usually when that happens, it's for something that's already been out or something that got a re-release or something similar like that but that's later down the line exactly and it certainly doesn't happen for movies that are already making like millions mm-hmm. usually it'll happen for things that are making like in the tens of thousands this is a scale that suggests some some, some witchcraft is afoot some financial witchcraft some fumber nudgering anyways i don't plan on ever seeing that no same <laughs> maybe i'll pirate it or something i don't know make sure they don't mm. get the money if I ever really feel like hating myself. <laughs> Third place, Insidious the Red Door. Okay. $13 million domestic weekend, roughly $58 million domestic total, and $122.5 million worldwide. And then fourth place, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, $12 million domestic weekend against a $145.3 million domestic total and $302.3 million worldwide, which means it's just now breaking past its production budget that they'll admit to. Yeah, which still means it's not going to make money. <laughs> no. And fifth place, Elemental. $8.7 million domestic weekend, $125.2 million domestic total, and $311.6 million worldwide. But again, $200 million. Okay, then yeah, no. Also not making money. It or might. If it is, or if it, it is, it's not going to be a lot. It might get close. Mm. It's better than Lightyear. <laughs> God, that's fair. Low bar, I think, but hey, <laughs> you know. So, since, we, again, we don't have a movie review this week, uh, let's talk about next week. It's the big one. It's the it's the face-off you've all been waiting for. It's Barb face-off versus Bubble, <laughs> versus Bubble Boy. <laughs> it's Barb and Hopper weekend, boys. <laughs> Barb and Hopper. Not Barb and Heimer. <laughs> Too late. Too late. Next episode is called Barb and Hopper and other stuff. Put it on a shirt. <laughs> Barb and Hopper. Oh my god. I can't I can't wait. You know what's unfortunate? I wish I told her to send it to me. One of my coworkers sent me a or showed me a meme of like times where like important decisions have to be made and it's like you're like weekends that had other major movies with it and they're like major like action movies and stuff like that. And then it was just like for this weekend, Barbie and Oppenheimer. <laughs> it's like Yeah, this isn't just limited to us, or at least to me. This is like kind of a thing throughout the at least throughout the internet, I'm noticing, where people are like, 
I have to decide between Barbie and Oppenheimer. <laughs> and you know the worst thing? You know studios are going to try to chase this kind of face down for the next, like, couple of years. Like, they're going to mm. try and force it when this whole thing happened just because everybody was really amused by the juxtaposition. Yeah. God. <laughs> In any case, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TikTok, whatever you want to do. Again, mm. If I'm off about anything and how I plan to approach this showing support for the strike, please. Let us know. Let us know. Because I genuinely want to know. Mm. I want to make it make sense. Right. And of course, like I said, I am game to pivot. I do have a plan. <laughs> so it's fine. But regardless of that, thank you again so much. This has been Under the Bridge with Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And with Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And we'll catch you guys next week. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.